does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. With Charlie Clifford, I'm Brendan King. Eddie Garrison is here. Happy New Year to all. You will have to wait until the 5th, that's Thursday, to see the Indiana Hoosiers play in the New Year for the first time. They will visit the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's a late tip, by the way, at 9 o'clock. Long layoff for the Hoosiers. Their last game was on December the 23rd, beating Kennesaw State at Assembly Hall. And joining us now on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com, our weekly visit with the voice of the Hoosiers. That is Don Fisher. Fish, Happy New Year. Great to have you, as always. Long layoff. So December 23rd through January 5th, we have talked about it. Do you think that rest is going to benefit the Hoosiers in the long run, just considering the kind of gauntlet that the Big Ten is and how, really, injuries can happen at any time in conference play? Well, I don't know if it'll serve them in any way, shape, or form, other than the fact that it did give them time to get some heal, some people healed up whether they are as healed as we'd like them to be. We'll maybe find out more of that tonight on Inside IU Basketball with Mike Whitson on our talk show this evening because uh, aside from Wednesday's practice last week, I haven't had a chance really to see this team practice or to see who's available. But my gut is that they've had an opportunity here to get people rested and uh, maybe back to health if uh, whoever's been having problems is over that. And I would assume that this time uh, of year, you, you know, you, lead a, you, little, you need a little bit of a break. There's no <laughs> question about that. But you can't take it too long. And I think two weeks or, you know, the 13 days in between games is a bit much. But that's the, the game plan right now. And I can honestly tell you that I think this basketball team will be ready to start Big Ten play. But they might be a bit rusty from a game perspective because I was going to have two games in before they play Indiana. Fish, no point guard for Mike Woodson heading into the Big Ten. Something tells me that has kept Woody up a little bit at night. What do you think the game plan is at the point position here, jumping in with Iowa and then Northwestern and a trip to Penn State to start things off? Well, they do have a point guard. They have Jalen Huchafino, who's a true freshman, obviously, from Mount Bird Academy, but he's a five-star guy. He is really a, a talented kid. Uh, they've got a point guard. The question is, who's the backup now? Sure. And who, who takes over that number two role? And r- right now it looks like Trey Galloway is probably the odds-on favorite to get that uh, position. But, uh, you know, he's been – starting along with, because of the injury situation, he's been starting along with Jalen Huchifino in backcourt so far. But uh, I think he's the only other truly qualified point guard player that they possibly have at this point. You could say, you could throw Anthony Leal in there because he did that a bit last year, but he has hardly seen any playing time this year. Right. So you, you've got to talk about uh, right now Huchifino being the key guy. Uh, obviously, you want to keep him healthy, and he had a back issue for a couple of ball games uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and hopefully he's back to 100%. I think he is. We saw him in the two games leading up to this break uh, in, against Elon and Kennesaw State, and he looked very good at both, and obviously had that role at that point. So 
Um, you know, I, I think the point guard position is no, no question about it. It's critical to this basketball team, but I'm not concerned that uh, Xavier Johnson being out is the only option. I, I don't think there's any question who Chapino can handle it. That's good to hear. It's the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Fish, another non-conference slate wrapped up. To you, was there a marquee moment of what we watched from October until now? I know there was the opportunity, of course, to get you know top 10 win against Arizona and Kansas at the time, but still beating Xavier on the road. Yeah, that Xavier getting, win looks a little better now Yeah, after this very weekend. good. I mean, North Carolina is still a top 25 team. So, Fish, in your mind, was there a moment that stuck out most? Well, I, I think the effort uh, level that they put forth against both uh, Xavier and North Carolina was terrific, and we haven't seen that since. That's that's what concerns me the most about this team. Uh, the intensity level must be critical. It's a critical part of how you start ball games and the focus that you have to have going into ball games. And that's what concerns me most right now because the Arizona ball game, the Rutgers ball game, uh, the the Kansas contest, Indiana was not in those ball games from the very beginning. And, you know, they fought their way back uh, a little bit against Rutgers and certainly against uh, – I'm spacing here. Arizona. Arizona, exactly. Uh, But but nevertheless, when you look at what they have done since since those ballgames, I I didn't think they started off particularly well against Elon. And, And Elon's not a great basketball team by any stretch of the imagination. And their offense was fine. Their defense was not very good, and Mike was upset about it. And then against Kennesaw State, I didn't see the focus that you need to have. I don't care who the opponent is. And Kennesaw State came in with an eight or seven and four record, <laughs> right? And it was a really solid basketball team and gave Indiana all they could handle up until about the two or three minute mark of the final half. So when you don't have that intensity level, that focus, especially after you've just gotten knocked off by really good teams in Kansas and Arizona, how in the world? How in the world can you go into those ball games and not be focused and intense uh, to play the game? And we saw it against Xavier. We saw it against North Carolina. So we know they can do it. But the question is, are they ready to do it night in and night out? Because that's what it's going to take in the Big Ten. And Fish, it's even more unexplainable when you know you have the Big Ten preseason player of the year. You should be coming out looking to bully people, no? For the first time in a handful of years, IU should come out with some swagger. And I think you're right. We saw that early in the year. And now you're going to find out if that actually exists or if that was just the confidence of knowing that, hey, nothing's gone wrong so far this year. Let's play let, Let's play with a free conscience. I'm very interested to see what they do in Iowa. Let's face it, Fish, this Iowa team, they aren't great. To me, this Iowa team, do they look as down to you as they've appeared, at least on tape, through the first couple months? Well, there's no question they're not as good as they were a year ago. Uh, But here's the key. Fabricia has gotten a lot better than he was last year. Chris Murray was out for four ball games. That started their downfall a little bit. And Chris Murray's obviously their most talented basketball player on their roster. Tony Perkins from Lawrence North High School in Indianapolis is playing terrific at the point. He's probably been as consistent as anybody on their ball club. Hmm. I think that they still have a basketball team that is going to be very dangerous, and they're going to be hungry because they're going to take a a three-game losing streak 
into that matchup with Indiana coming up because they just got beat by Penn State, another team that's up and coming under Micah Shrewsbury. So you're, you're looking at a basketball team right now that could be very dangerous for Indiana, especially with the rust not having played for a couple of weeks. So that's another factor that's involved in this contest. Uh, especially against the Hawkeye team, like I said, it's going to be very hungry. Mower Shop and Fisher Hotline IU voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher with us, Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Brendan King here today, midday with you. Happy New Year. Fish, I thought about you this past week. I look up 23 points from Romeo Lankford with the Spurs, career best night. Your thoughts on a player who arrived with all of the attention at IU. IU fans certainly know how things and the trajectory quickly changed there, but to see him find some footing in the National Basketball Association, please give me your perspective on this story. Well, I, obviously he hasn't had much of an opportunity since he's been in the NBA, and part of that's because he wasn't ready to be in the NBA. <laughs> so, and this is my this is my personal opinion. Yeah, now. no, Again, I, I think you're in the majority there. Yeah, I mean, guys that come into college basketball, and he had a good freshman season at Indiana. It wasn't superstar status because from my perspective, a guy like him, you would think would take over games. We only saw that in my opinion, in one game, Michigan Uh, state. Exactly. And, and, and Illinois actually played really well against Illinois at home as well. Those two games probably were the two that I thought he played his best in, but we just didn't see it on a night in night out basis. Number one, number two, the offense, I don't think, fit him. What Archie was trying to do at that point in time, I don't think that fit. So he got a, off to a rough start after his freshman season in the NBA because he just wasn't ready for it, in my opinion. And I think that happens to a lot of guys who go into the NBA maybe <laughs> a year or two out of college. And sure. They're not ready for the for the upgrade in, temp, in, in talent and the, the speed and the athleticism that these guys have. Because most people argue that NBA basketball players are probably the best athletes in the world, and I can't argue with that because of what they're capable of doing on the court. And then you've got a guy that comes in there and basically has had a freshman season where he was okay, but he wasn't superstar status. He's going to sit around a while because he's got a lot to learn. No, I I love that and feel good for – the young man, because look, the final image I have of him, Fish, it was at the United Center. It was that kind of win and in situation against Chris Holtman in Ohio State. You know, a season that had been very rocky. You had one chance to win a game and likely get in the NCAA tournament. You didn't do that. He sits there, towel draped over his head. It just felt like this fairy tale story that went completely sideways. And Credit to him. He, he's worked through some injuries in Boston. He's found a place under Greg Popovich, which is probably the best coach to learn under on this planet if you're trying to find yourself as a professional. BK, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and Fish, I was going to go off what Cliff just said. I know that NIL is an ever-changing and growing thing in college sports, and to be honest with you, I don't fully still understand it. I don't, <laughs> I don't think anybody fully still understands it. But Fluid. Yeah, right. Would it be easier, Fish, in your mind, to keep a player to that level away from the NBA now with the ever-changing mm. financial benefits of college sports? Well, let's put it this way. It's possible. I mean, certainly with the, with the NIL money coming in uh, to most schools that are basketball-related, of course, Indiana is one of them, uh, with that money coming into basketball uh, at your particular program, you're going to have some options there. And, and players are going to have options, too. 
Somebody, nobody can tell me that Trace Jackson Davis came back just because he wanted to come back for another year at Indiana. Right. I think the the fact that he could get NIL money uh, factored greatly into his decision uh, to stay at IU because obviously he was not going to be drafted in the first round. He was going to be a second round pick at best. And had he not been picked or he had been second round pick and didn't make a team, obviously there's no contract <laughs> right. he had. So your options are minimal at best, and I think he took the only one, not the only one that was available to him, but the smart one that was available to him. Fish, final thought here. If you're Mike Woodson walking in to the Big Ten schedule, again, if you're just joining us, Hoosiers at Iowa, very tough place to play against a struggling Hawkeye team that's 0-3 so far in Big Ten play. If you're Mike Woodson, who is your X-factor that you're leaning on quietly behind the scenes to really take a jump and help this team get to where it believes it's going this year, and that's to the top of the Big Ten standings. Well, my my belief is that Tamar Bates has taken that step, or at least looked like he has taken that step to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bates has really looked good in the last several ball games, uh, even though Indiana didn't play well against uh, Kansas and Arizona. He still was a factor in both. I, I think Tamar is the guy right now that everybody's probably looking to, to to have made that jump and be ready to really contribute big time in the Big Ten this year. Uh, I think he's a key guy right now. I, I think Galloway, obviously, if he can stay healthy, is another one of those guys that uh, has to be a critical factor for this basketball team. And we got to we got to can get the consistency out of the three point shooting, and Miller Cop has done that. So they've got the tools. There's just no question about it. Now, can they perform like they have in the past, especially at the defensive end of the floor, which I think is, you know, taking a step backwards here in the last two or three weeks. It's the voice of the Hoosiers. Don Fisher with us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Fish, enjoy the ball game on Thursday. We'll talk to you soon, my man. Get it rolling, Fish. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's go, Indy. 2023 is here. Pacers and Raptors tonight. Boilers getting ready to kick off with LSU down at the Citrus Bowl and... Purdue Hoops as well tonight. Greg Rakestraw joining us now, 107.5, the fan Colts pre- and post-host. Rake, I know you're on the call this afternoon with IUPUI. We appreciate you taking the time. I want to start here. You've seen some long Colts seasons limp to the finish line. You hear everything that comes out of the locker room post-game. Have you heard a Colts team that is more ready for the season to end than the 2022 version of the Indianapolis Colts? I think that's the way everybody feels about it. You know, obviously the season that, that in my experience, and I've been covering the team for for 20 years, and, and, and I can throw an asterisk out there. I was lucky enough that there was a year that I missed. It was the 2-14 and 14 season in 2011. <laughs> but but, but I, I was on the beat in 2001 when they were 6-10, and 10, yep. and that led to a coaching change. I was on the beat in 2017 when they were 4-12, and 12, and that led to a coaching change. Here we are at 4-11-1. There's already been a coaching change. So... Um, th- th- this is a group that is um, <laughs> ready to go do something else and a fan base that I'm sure is ready to talk about the offseason because the regular season has left so little to talk about. It's Greg Rakestraw on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Rake, 
you hear a lot of different perspectives on the Colts, especially when you host the postgame show every week. Uh, I know you've had a chance to get a gauge of the fan base and how they're feeling. What's just the sense, Rake, that you've heard most, especially over the last few weeks, about what fans are feeling right now? Ready for a change, uh, whether that is at the head coaching position, whether that is at the general manager position, whether that is at the quarterback position. Um, you know, everybody's ready. You know, just to kind of move on and, and reset. And so, it is a question as to how Jim Irsay, you know, feels about it, about Chris Ballard, about Jeff Saturday. I think it's pretty obvious that there is going to be a, a different quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts next year, and you assume it's one you'll take with the fifth, sixth, seventh pick. You know, however, the chips fall in, in terms of whether the Colts are sitting on four wins or five after next Sunday's finale um, against the Houston Texans. But uh, change, uh, another type in your pocket, change. That's what everybody's <laughs> asking for and talking about. Rake, we all watched the best college football playoff doubleheader in the history of the four team playoff. Ohio State, CJ Stroud. After watching that dramatic finish and knowing the evaluation that is certainly underway at the Colts complex of his play, where does he stack up and where do you assess his potential to land here in Indianapolis as the next franchise name? You know, to be honest with you, I, I, I still have not flipped the page yet into sure. uh, prospect evaluation mode just yet. Yep. Once the season's over, and then obviously I know what the fate's going to be. I know that my <laughs> last my last post game show, my last day of doing red zone highlights for this year is going to be on Sunday. I, yeah. I get that, yeah. but I haven't gotten that far. But but what I have started to do is started to assess. All right. Where are the teams that are drafting in front of the Colts? What are right. their needs going to be? And we know that at worst, you know, that the Colts are not catching the Texans. So, no. and the Texans have to draft a quarterback. They, they, they knew they were going to be kind of bargain based with the last couple of years. They went with Davis Mills. That's not working. They're taking a quarterback when they draft. The Bears are not, which tells me the Bears are probably going to move that pick. Are the Colts interested in, in, in talking shop with them mm. or not? Um, right. You know, I, the Seahawks, to me, are a real question mark <laughs> because they've been better than, than people thought they would be. And for those that, that don't know, that is the Russell Wilson pick. That is the trade right. for Wilson. And so the Broncos are not only bad, they're bad without a first-round draft pick. <laughs> and so, it's the only situation you know, that's worse. It's the right. only one. Are you going to Are you, you going to go with 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 the Russell with with you know a quarterback if you're the Seahawks or do you roll with Geno Smith for one more year? Good question. Um, you know the Cardinals wouldn't be taking a, a, a pick a quarterback in that spot. So really, for me, it's about seeing where the chips fall and then saying, all right, are the Colts third in the quarterback draft? And do you feel you've got to move up to get Shroud or right. Levis or Young or whoever you think your guy needs to be? And so when the dust settles next Sunday, now let's start having that conversation. Okay, the Colts are here on the teams that want to draft a quarterback. Who do you have to trade with to eventually move up? Who do you think might leapfrog you to trade up and get that guy? Right. It's really a matter of, hey, I, I know we're already talking about the offseason. I get it. <laughs> Let's wait six days, and now the chess pieces start to move on the board at that point in time. Rick, kind of more in a broad sense, but still about quarterback. I know we don't know the name, but the type of player that must continue – 
the winning tradition for this team down the line. What type of guy do they need at quarterback? And I realize if the offensive line is going to struggle as much as they have, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback <laughs> Correct. is. Correct. But who, what type of player do they need under center to get back to where they need to be? Uh, Brendan, what type of phone do you use? Do you use a landline very often? No. Do, do, do you make phone calls on a pay phone? No. You know what a pay phone is. You, you have a quarter with you. And you, I, you put I, I have used a pay, Rick, I have used a pay phone before. I'm not that. Okay, I'm you, not. Yeah. You youngest. You know. Now that I had another birthday, I'm older now. So you youngest, I, I worry about you using. Don't you know, worry. Pay phone my my family had a, my family had a landline until I was in high school. It's okay. Okay. All right. I, I know black and white TV. I get it. So. Um, so use the mobile phone, uh, mobile quarterback. I mean, that's that's the way of the world. Uh, the days of having the guys that are pocket passers are, are, are dinosaurs. Um, you know, we saw that with Nick Foles yesterday. That scramble he had can best be described as lumbering. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, Matt Ryan, mobile enough, probably was a better runner than we thought, had to be a better runner than we thought he would need to be going into the season. But everybody is going to be run-pass option, mobile quarterbacks, and not just to run, a la Justin Fields, but run to threaten the defense, to make the defense account for your ability to run the football. And other than Carson Wentz last year, we haven't had that dating back to the days of a healthy Andrew Luck. So, and I, I, you know, I can say mobile quarterback. That probably applies to everybody coming out of the draft. That's, you know, that, that's just the way the world is going to be going forward. Mower Shop and Fisher Hotline, Greg Rakestraw, Colts postgame host on 107.5 The Fan here. Today it's Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Brendan King. Rake, you mentioned Carson Wentz. He was shown the door last year, whether it was for his play on the field or his relationship with Jim Irsay. Regardless, it happened, and he stepped into a game yesterday with a chance to turn his script in Washington, and it went very south again. Your thoughts on just this entirety of the story. Number two overall pick, wins over Philadelphia, and for now, Carson Wentz to know that at best, he'll probably get a one or two year deal as a backup somewhere next year. To me, it is one of the more mysterious change of events from a quarterback who was on top of the world to finds himself where he was yesterday, leaving the field to booze at FedEx Field. Your thoughts? Yeah, again, um, while we can sit here and say, hey, the Ryan for Wentz move wasn't a great move for the Colts, the Colts weren't set at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I understand um, the the conversation, the speculation, the idea that it was more than just how Carson played. I'll point back to the Patriots game, you know, when the last time things were good for the Colts. Yeah. When the Colts won a game when he had five completions. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, the, the Arizona game where that was better for him and that throw to Desmond Patman was kind of the last great moment for Carson in, in a Colts uniform. Great point. When you think about the biggest moments of last year, it did not go well for Carson Wentz with the Indianapolis Colts. And so – Let's not have hindsight, you know, not the 2020 here. Was Matt Ryan the guy we thought he was going to be? Nope. But was Carson Wentz the guy that was right to lead this Colts team going forward? Nope. I I wish him the best. But, frankly, how it played out yesterday in D.C. looked a lot like how it played last year in Indianapolis. Yeah, lowest passer rating of his career. Some folks are like, oh, hang on. What about the Jacksonville game in the finale? No. It was lower yesterday. 
than in that performance in week 18 last year. BK. Rick, last thing I'll ask about the quarterback position is what we saw in the second half yesterday. I think Sam Ellinger came in and at least treaded water at, at best, but you know Nick Foles gets knocked out of the game by Kayvon Thibodeau. The, the Snow Angel story, I think, became a popular topic towards the back end of that game just because of how much they struggle. But Ellinger playing, I, Rick, I, we've talked a lot about this over the last month as we've talked on this show, that you and I both think that you want to get the best look that you can at your young players is the second half yesterday and potentially playing against the Texans enough to analyze Sam Ellinger? No. And that's what's so <laughs> maddeningly frustrating about him not playing the last couple of weeks. Listen, um, I, I get making the move in mid-October. It was still stunning when it happened when Ryan was pulled. But yet again, if, if Ryan had a shoulder injury, and, and how that was handled is a lesson in crisis communications, as in this is what you don't do. Okay, <laughs> If you go back into October and Matt Ryan's hurt, then you don't say, hey, we're going to make the change of quarterback anyway. You don't say that. Um, you basically say, hey, Matt Ryan's hurt, and we're going to give Sam a look. We like what we saw in preseason. We want to give him a try. That's how you handle that, all right? Two weeks later, when you make the move back to Ryan, um, I, I understand because you made the move at, at coach, you wanted to give Jeff Saturday the best chance to win, and so he felt the best chance was by going back to Matt Ryan. I got no problem with that. Once you get to the bye, and you know you're not going to be a playoff team, even though you're not mathematically eliminated until 10 days ago, at that point in time, your best move as a franchise was to go to Sam Ellinger and to play him the last four weeks so you could have more of a true snapshot as to what he could be. Now, I want to see him play next week. Do I know that he's the future for the Colts? No. Right. Do I think he's the future for the Colts? Probably not. But he's the one guy that I actually kind of have. An, I want to say, hey, I want to see this guy play. I want to know exactly what I've got. Is he my backup going forward? Is he a potential starting quarterback going forward? And because of how this situation was handled, I don't think we're going to have the answer to that come the end of the day next Sunday. No, you don't have that. And, Rake, the only clarity you have of this Foles experiment to your point, to go to that decision is the fact that Nick Foles likely flew back from New Jersey yesterday thinking to himself, I've made $86 million. I've played for 11 seasons. Why do I need to do this anymore? You right. know, what, that, that, it, it, gave, it gave Foles some clarity, I think, for his future and for his sanity, quite honestly, after what's transpired this season. I still think he'll be somebody's backup next sure, year. Just sure, here. sure. Yep. And I, it, but certainly the thought of, gosh, is this worth it? You know, that certainly has to cross into your mind. Final one for me, Rake. Zaire Franklin within a few tackles of Shaq Leonard's franchise record for a single season Colts mark. What else is on the line individually as you begin to look to next week and those players on the field? We're waiting to hear from Jeff Saturday any moment, and we would certainly expect uh, Sam Ellinger to be announced as the starter this week, if not today, certainly early in the week. What else is at stake individually as you survey Week 18? Paris Campbell saying he played in all 17 games. There you go. Uh, Bernard go. Ryan having a game or didn't give up a sack. Yep. Um, you know, maybe a look for Nick Cross. Um, you know, at a, at a safety position, more of, of, of a test for Dallas Flowers at the cornerback position because clearly he's a piece you like going forward. Yep. For the love of God, throw Jelani Woods the ball more often. <laughs> uh, and I realize he had a big play called back because of a holding penalty last, you know, uh, you know uh, yesterday. Um, but, but it's all about the young guys. It's all about getting them some development. But that's, that's what you take out of next Sunday's game. 
Rake, there's a, a positive side of sports in Indianapolis right now. It's the Pacers. Charlie and I were talking about them earlier. Pacers and the Raptors pregame tonight at 6.30 on the fan. Tip-off at 7 at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Rake, that's three straight wins. They're four wins away from their over-under win total that was set before the year in Vegas. Just your general thoughts on the team and that big win against the Clippers because it's just a different sense right now, obviously, from the last couple of years. No? What a, what a pleasant surprise. And... and- <laughs> And and it, and it is true that you know, oftentimes the fix is quicker than you think. Mm. You know, you think you're going into this long winter when you hit the reset button or rebuild button, and not always is that the case. You know, the Halliburton deal is a deal that, frankly, won for both teams, and that's a great thing. I don't feel the need to get one over on the Kings. I want Demonis Sabonis to be a good, you know, yeah. have a successful career. He was a great player. I hope for good things for him, and they're better because of this too. The pieces fit better for both of those teams. Obviously, the drafting of Benedict Matherin was a good thing for this basketball team. Newsflash: Rick Carlisle can really coach. <laughs> um, you know, you know, we've got twenty, twenty-five years of evidence yep. as that being the case. So I am thankful that uh, you know more of our focus gets to be on the Pacers going forward because they're a story worth talking about. The two biggest turnarounds in the NBA since the end, really since the start of last year, January 1, 2022, until this afternoon. Indiana Pacers 1, Sacramento Kings 2. Rake, you hit, you're on the money as as usual with that trade analysis. Go get ready for pregame. Wright State, IUPUI, a good chance for Coach Crenshaw to pick up a win in the Horizon League. Rake, we appreciate you taking some time on a very busy Monday, partner. See you, boys. Thanks, Rake. Thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Pacers-Raptors tonight. Pacers going for six and six of seven, four in a row. Tyrese Halliburton, 27 points a game over that span. Miles Turner coming off arguably one of the best performances of his regular season career. Jeremiah Johnson joining us on the Mower Shop hotline out of Fishers. Give the Mower Shop all your needs for lawn care. JJ, Rick Carlisle has hit all the right buttons here. From what you've seen, what's the best thing Carlisle's done behind this scenes to Get this young team playing as unselfish as they are. Four guys averaging over 16. It just truly feels like no one cares who gets the credit. Well, I think it's something I went back and listened to some comments from Tyrese Halliburton uh, from earlier in the season at different times and saying that Rick Carlisle did not want him to call, did not want to call plays. He wanted Hmm. to let Tyrese Halliburton run the offense and, and more specifically run at all times and let him be the coach on the floor. There are still times out of timeouts. Rick Carlisle is fantastic at diagramming something for the team, but he doesn't want to stand over there and have the players continue to look for him. And so mm-hmm. they've continued to run all season long. And Halliburton is that coach on the floor. And basically his relationship with Tyrese Halliburton is, is where to me, everything starts. And then at that point, everything else is in, has been falling into, into place Probably better than anyone, and I would even say Rick Carlisle and Tyree Talliburton included, could have expected. Pacers and the Raptors tonight, pregame at 6.30 on 107.5 The Fan. Tip at 7. JJ will see you at the Fieldhouse later. Uh, the win against the Clippers on Saturday, the New Year's Eve W by a penny. Uh, when you look beyond the box score, what stands out most to you about that one? 
the fact that Paul George played one of the <laughs> games of his season and he scored 45 points and Kawhi Leonard had a third quarter that he wanted to come in and, and take the game over, played the entire third quarter. You had the Clippers pretty much at, at their full strength and they've been playing probably better than they've played all season. And to have those two guys play well and still get that win, that stands out to me. The other thing is that from the opening tip, and I've been coming on during the first and second quarter a couple different times over the last three games and, and highlighting the buzz in the building and yeah. the crowd and the atmosphere. But I, maybe you combine the fact that it was the New Year's Eve game, but also that Paul George was in the building and, and they were kind of booing every time he got the ball for the first <laughs> quarter and a half. So the fans were into that game. It was no Miami crowd where fans show up in the second quarter and then they start to pay attention. They were in their seats. They were locked in, and it was a really tremendous atmosphere. And it started at you know ten minutes after three, and it did not let up until that final buzzer sounded after Paul George's three pointer went in. That actually did not matter. That made it a one point <laughs> victory. Uh, it was just a great atmosphere. And so, to me, if the Pacers can build on the excitement that the fans are feeling into the new year, they'll have a chance to really finish the season strong because the home court. Gamebridge Fieldhouse is one of the best home courts when that place is loud and enthusiastic, and that's what we've really seen over the last week. It's great to hear Carlisle say post-game, look, this place was alive, and it has been, as you mentioned, for this streak. They've they've leaned on it. I think Carlisle said, look, one of Marcus Morris's threes, that ball just was not going to go in because of the juice in that building, and <laughs> you, you're right. I mean, just a complete 180 from, let's face it, I, I know for you, JJ, you look it was it was fun to get back on the beat last year, so to speak, but to limp in the way they did and then to turn this thing around. I alluded to it earlier. I remember seeing a tweet earlier this preseason. I think the team was in New York, took a little day trip as a squad, and I think Coach Jenny commented, like, look at all the smiling people in this photo as we're just out and about taking in New York City. She said it then so well that, look, this isn't lip service. This feels like a team that absolutely loves itself off the floor. How do you put in perspective what you see traveling with the team about just the connectivity off the floor of this group? How would you, how would you share that one? Well, except for, you know, the COVID season, this is my 10th season being around the team. Congrats on, uh, on 10, JJ. I didn't realize it was 10. Yeah. Well, ninth in this job. And I, I traveled the year prior to that. So Got I've seen all different kinds of teams and, it's almost like a chemistry experiment that you just don't really know how the parts are all going to fit together when you see them in training camp. And usually at the start of any season, most people are optimistic. You get kind of the same comments at media day of, you know, this is everybody gets along. It's going to be a great season. And you kind of have to sift through that a little bit, but this has real staying power. And, you know, Pat Boyle and I have talked a lot about this. That 2017-18 team, to me, yeah. was probably the best chemistry that I've seen in, in my 10 years, just because, they had the veterans, right. they had some young up and coming stars, and they had a, a nice mix. And I'll even, you know, I'll, I'll even give a shout out to Lance Stevenson from that <laughs> yeah. team. You had just, you, yep. you can't have everybody be the exact same. And, and yep. Buddy Heald has a little bit of a different personality. He's, he's louder than some. Sometimes <laughs> guys are quiet. I think Kyrie Halliburton is the kind of player that can bring everyone together and all the different personalities. And then I'll even throw in another name that. We haven't talked a lot about this season, but I think he's made a big impact, and that's James Johnson. So I'll credit mm. the front office just with getting these different personalities, 
and getting them, the coaching staff deserves credit for getting them to mix well together. And you have to win some games to continue to have that smile on your face and be happy. And so the Pacers have won enough games. They've had enough on-court success. And the personalities, they just seem to fit. And I, you could probably have Chad Buchanan or Kevin <laughs> Trichard on or Kelly Kroskoff. They don't really know for sure how personalities will fit when you're right. in July and you're signing a free agent or you're drafting a player out of college. But it could not have fit any better, and I'll see how this goes. But right now, you know, it's 27-18 team. That team got along great. It was probably my most enjoyable season, but right now this is it's moving up the list. BK, JJ, run with me here for a minute. Fair to say uh, James Johnson, the equivalent to what Al Jefferson was for that team you mentioned, JJ? Is that is that on an equal playing field in terms of the role they're filling behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, that's what Kevin Pritchard had mentioned after Al left, that they were missing a guy like that. I do think that when Al was with the Pacers, he had a little bit more of a role on the court. Yeah. But what you saw was the guy that someone, a younger player, could go to to ask a question, knowing he'd been there, he'd done that, and he would not be afraid to be honest with them. And that's, I think, what you get from James Johnson. I'll say that even during huddles and some of the timeouts, James is even more vocal than Al, and I think he probably understood he's not going to play that much yeah. certain circumstances if guys are hurt or maybe a team is really um, big in the front court, he'll get a chance to play and he'll be ready if if he's called upon probably more than like the Udonis Haslam type who almost never plays for Miami he's able to play, but he knows his value is in the locker room, in the huddles, and, and he's even more vocal, so Kevin Pritchard's talked about Al Jefferson, what a benefit it was to have a guy like that, and I do think that it was a solid pickup of having James Johnson in the summer. JJ, to follow up on that, especially now that we're sort of back to a sense of normalcy in the league, the COVID restrictions are not there, how impactful is that to have a guy like James Johnson to show the ropes to a guy like Matherin or Nemhard about just how the league works, not just on the court, but especially traveling and all the stuff that happens off the court? Yeah, I mean, you don't get to be in the league as long as James Johnson has and, and be on as many different teams without having that respect and having uh, good things said about you. So when you bring in a guy like that, you're going to, you know, you're probably going to call some of the other coaches and some of the other teammates. And I doubt anybody, you know, said anything bad. The other thing that I think he brings in addition to that mentorship is he brings some toughness. So his, his words are not just going to be about how to survive in the NBA or how to be a professional or maybe how to market yourself. He, he wants the players to be tough. He doesn't like it if, <laughs> somebody back down and I think that's important and you, you know not to be you don't want to go out of line but you also know you're not going to be a player that's going to back down and I'll even specifically you mentioned maybe Mather and Nemhard and the rookies I think he's been really good for the young front court players when you have Isaiah Jackson in his second season Jalen Smith in his third season those are guys that they look up to Miles Turner they've got him with his experiences and also they've got James Johnson they can talk to as well so he's just doing he's done a really good job and uh, his stats are not going to be near the top of the team in anything, but his contributions are just as valuable. Mower Shop and Fisher's hotline, Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana pre- and post-game host. Fellas, we know things are going well when you're literally talking about the last man on the bench. If you're on a good team, you talk about everybody. You know, if you're, you got a spot on that Warrior bench or that Celtics bench, people know who you are, and it's a good sign in Indianapolis that, hey, people know who James Johnson is. JJ, bring me back to tonight. The Raptors are in. Pascal Siakam's been fantastic. Toronto, though, just 3-8 and eight over its past 11. You go back to November 12th. Pacers have that monster fourth quarter. Six guys in double figures to ultimately win by 14 here. Your thoughts on tonight 
and taking another step forward and continuing what's been the most fun run around here in, in the better part of two years? Well, you have to deal with success. And so the Pacers are riding high a little bit, having won five of six and really all five of those wins against teams you would expect to be in the playoffs. So the only concern you'd have is that you let up just a little bit, and the Raptors are not a team that you can let up against. They're going to be just a little bit more rested, having played on December 30th. They got a home win against Phoenix. That being said, I don't know. They might need a little more rest than they even have heading into this game because they have three of the top six players in the league in minutes per game. And you mentioned Siakam, Hmm. OG Ananobi, and and also Fred Van Vliet, although he's been injured and he's questionable. So he's obviously key to what they try to do. And if they would play him, I doubt he would get the normal – you know, 37 or 38 minutes that he, that he does play. But the Raptors are not as deep of a team as the Pacers. So even if Van Vliet plays, you're going to see a lot of those guys. And so it'll be the challenge to the Pacers' second unit. When they're on the court, some of the backups against those starters for the Raptors that play the heavy minutes, can they win or at least be even in those minutes? And then in the fourth quarter, we've seen the Raptors, to me, they maybe wear out just a little bit late in games because they play so hard and – the minutes that I mentioned that maybe the fourth quarter again can be a strength. And so that's the biggest carryover that I see that the Pacers can have over the last week is they're really having a different look and mindset in these fourth quarters of games. And it starts with Tyrese Halliburton, the way he attacked the basket against the Clippers and didn't settle for, for deep jumpers. And he got to the free throw line. That's something that I think you can continue to continue to build on. And that could get you a win and what would be a four-game homestand sweep, which has not happened in quite some time either. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. BK, can we do an appreciation montage between the three of us? <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson, Charlie Clifford, Brendan King. Thad Young's back in the building tonight. Something tells me if you ask Jeremiah Johnson your best walk-off interview, your most preferred pacer over your tenure, as you mentioned, decade now on the job, if it's not a star, you know, leading point man, was there a better walk-off interview from a role player than Thad Young, JJ? Well, I mean, you have some guys in that walk-off situation that really can, can ham it up. <laughs> what I will say is there's probably not a better practice interview than Thaddeus Young. Yeah, because go. you could ask him one question, and he could answer it in two minutes. <laughs> he would in go. In two-minute clip, we've got, we've got content for the next two weeks. So you could pull a 17-second soundbite for this game, and then, oh, yeah, hey, Ken, that'll work for the next game as well. And he was always he always answered those questions with a smile on his face. So I maybe don't put him at the the number one walk off interview because a lot of guys like to kind of shine yeah. in that situation, and I'm glad that they do. But <laughs> day in day out, and in terms of just being a true professional and, and a great person to be around to have in your locker room, and you mentioned Al Jefferson, I, mean, I think he'll have a long career even when he's out of a rotation. He can serve that role hmm. for another team in a couple of years. And you think how long he's already been contributing on the court. Maybe he doesn't even need to do that. But right. if he wants a job in the NBA, he can probably serve that role well 
Um, and we, we had a great time with Thad Young, for sure. A toast to Thad Young, one of the good guys. Well, he's apparently, per ESPN, making $8 million bucks at 34. So I'd probably, I'd probably do that for as long as I could if I was, if I was Thad <laughs> Young. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson is on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers <laughs> and themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. JJ, we had Aaron Neesmith on at the end of the week last week. It's a great interview. Yeah, it was awesome. Nice job. Talked with him about just the pure athleticism of the Pacers and how that's been a factor this year. And I realize, JJ, everybody in the NBA is athletic. It's the best league in the world when it comes to hoops. But this Toronto team, you mentioned the names like Siakam, like Gary Trent, like Fred Van Vliet, uh, like Scotty Barnes. Is this a good uh, OG, obviously? Is this a good benchmark test for just pure athleticism versus athleticism and what we're going to see at the Fieldhouse tonight? Yeah, I mean, everybody's a good athlete in the NBA, but there are different levels and there are different things that they do well. Right now, the Pacers are playing at a different level in terms of dunking, I would say, and playing above the rim than maybe teams they've had recently. Where I see the Raptors is their their length combined with their athleticism. So what you'll notice tonight if you're watching the game either in person or on television is a, is a guy like Barnes, I mean, he he can expand his wingspan so much to where – it's really tough to get those passes. I think they lead the league in deflections. OG and Anobi is so great at that as well. And so, yeah, they get up and down the court. They cause you problems defensively. And then you'll see that athleticism as well on the offensive glass. So, to me, the keys tonight for the Pacers are take care of the basketball. Don't let the Raptors get steals and easy baskets. And be sure to get a body on whoever's going to crash the glass. Against the Clippers, they did a really good job against Zubat, doing better than they did in Los Angeles. But he was kind of the only guy you had to worry about, so I think the Pacers were probably sending two or three guys to get a body on him. Everyone else was getting back. You never know who's going to crash for the Raptors. So (laughs) it'll be another one of those games that, yeah, you've got to block out. You're going to give up some. The Pacers are not an elite rebounding team. No one listening needs me to tell them that. But you've got to just hold your own on the glass and not – not give up too many offensive rebounds. And when you do get those rebounds, then just get out and run. It could be a back-and-forth, fast-paced, track-meet kind of game against the Raptors tonight. JJ, last thing, a little bit of a hypothetical question for you. So we're about hmm. to watch We're about to watch the NHL Winter Classic here in the studio. <laughs> Brendan's at, at, about to at watch Fenway it. Fenway Park. No, Brendan's it's, it's, about it's, to everybody's watch it. about to watch it. It's on in the studio. So they're playing a hockey game at Fenway Park. I'm going to tease this up to you. I love this. If you could play any sporting event at any facility, what would it be? Wow. Well, I did think that uh, when uh, baseball had its Field of Dreams game, which I still would like to go there one year, uh, that's kind of one of my favorite movies. So I thought that'd be really cool to watch that, and I'm glad that baseball did that. I have thought, is there any way the NBA can, can do something similar and have a regular season game at an iconic venue that you don't normally see NBA games. And so I'll go immediately to the Knightstown gym from the movie Hoosiers. The Mm. walls are pretty narrow. There's not much room maybe to get an NBA court in there. But just if you could, um, just sticking with the basketball theme, I think that would be pretty awesome. I understand the question with the cross-sport mix. Um, So I'm not sure putting a basketball court. The other thing would be, why don't you drop a basketball court on the front stretch of the Indianapolis Motor <laughs> There we yes, go. Yes. There it is. Doug Bowles. <laughs> You're driving yeah. somewhere right now. Doug Bowles, this is a sign. Let's do it. Yeah, I don't know when you could do it. Maybe October. The weather's still you know, somewhat uh, tolerable that you could put that outside basketball game. Uh, so that would maybe be my backup option. But I would be in favor if you could figure out a way to, to play a, a Pacers game at the Knightstown gym. That'd be a lot of fun. 
We're out of here on this youth hoops update. Give me the latest from the boys, JJ. How was any hoops this weekend? <laughs> well, just a lot of practice. Uh, <laughs> the, now that you're in school season, not as many uh, holiday tournaments, but just enjoyed uh, kind of following my youngest, Mason. He, he's he's just kind of watching basketball, trying to spend time on the tennis courts. But yeah, the eighth grade games, they never really stop. A brief break, but they pretty much go on and on and on. Love to hear it. Uh, JJ, A-plus on the mic, also an A-plus dad at home. Always a thrill to have you on here. Have a blast tonight and enjoy that atmosphere. We expect it to be raucous again. Thanks, JJ. All right, Charlie, Brandon, keep up the good work.